0: Hey, Life Church family, I hope you're having a great morning. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. My name is Pastor Tim, and I'm so glad you're with us. And I'm Harriet, and we're so glad that you're with us today online if this is your first time we want to say welcome and we would love if you would fill out our online connect card at lifecc.com just to let us know that you were here with us today that's awesome also we want to pray for you we really care about what's going on in your life and so if you would just take a moment today go to our website click on the prayer link give us your prayer request our whole staff would love to lift you up in prayer together Yeah, we love you, church, and we are so glad that you're here, and we hope that you enjoy the service today. God bless. Amen. Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to Online Church. I am so glad you're with us once again. I do want you to know, if I haven't seen you in months, I'm missing you. One day, hopefully soon, you'll be able to join us for our in-person services. But in the meantime, I'm so glad you're right here with us. Let me ask you, do you think life has been tough? Do you think it's been a really difficult season? It has for all of us, but just when we thought it got as hard as it could be, nope, we get a hurricane, <laughs> a direct hit from Hurricane Isaias. I'm not even sure if I pronounced that right. I'm thinking that just in way of everything being difficult, they had to name the hurricane something we couldn't even pronounce just to make life a little harder. Listen, I know life has been difficult for all of us. I hope today's message encourages you. I hope today's message helps you have a new place of victory. I hope it helps helps you overcome the works of the enemy that are coming against you. And so those are the things I'm praying today. We love you. We miss you. I hope you'll be able to come back to church soon. Speaking of coming back to church real soon, I do have some good news. I want to share with all of you that are at home that we are crowded in our in-person services. And because of that crowd, we are going to add a second service on September the 13th. We're going to add kids' ministries into our ministry time and our in-person services. And so we're excited about that. Maybe that'll help some of you be able to come back. And so stay tuned to our email, social media, about more details to come about our in-person services. But on September 13th, going to two services, adding kids' ministries. It's going to be great. But for all of us that are at home today, I love you, and I hope you'll lean into today's message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. I ask Father that you would use this message to strengthen us. Father, show us how to have greater victory in our life than we've ever had. Help us to overcome the works of the enemy. And Lord, that we would help establish heaven on earth. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, church, listen, we're in our second week of a series called Heaven on Earth. Our tagline for this is that if we our, our tagline for this is that if it is probable in heaven. It's possible here on earth. In other words, we look at the things that are in heaven that are probably happening there and we establish those things here on earth. And so that is our series that we are in. Today is week two and I'm wanting to inspire us to hear the stories of God and the things that He is doing from heaven on earth that maybe will encourage us to continue to walk out our journey with the Lord. And so each week we're going to show you a different testimony. Today we have a testimony from Libby Bell, and I'd love for you to hear her story.
1: I grew up the daughter of an alcoholic father and... My mother was very much a codependent mother. And when I was married, all of a sudden someone else's values and aspirations for their life consumed me. They became mine because I didn't understand that I had the right to have those boundaries and to withhold them and that I was worthy to have my own values and aspirations. I stayed in that marriage for 20 years before I decided that it was it was not what I needed and it wasn't right. Through that process, when I signed for my kids to stay with him, even though I saw them every weekend, even though I was still a part of their lives, I was still their mother, it broke me. And at that point, all the shame and all the guilt and all the hurt of all those years flooded on me, and I was alone. I began to manifest symptoms of the issues that I had, and those symptoms came out in isolation, um, use of alcohol, so many different things. And the more those things grew, and the older my boys got, I began to lose a relationship with them, and that really broke my heart. I was beside myself, I did not know what to do. At that point, I, I did meet someone and I married again, and we were only married for four years, and I lost him. At that point, it broke me mentally. My physical health declined. I began to have a lot of problems. I could no longer work. I felt like I had lost my entire identity. One of my kids invited me to come to church with him, and it was to Life Church. And I came to church and I just felt drawn in and I kept coming on my own and found that I felt like I kind of belonged there. But I was still broken and I still didn't know what to do and I still felt shameful and I felt hurt until I attended the Celebrate Recovery meeting. Like people there that said, we love you and we care about you and we're praying for you and we just want you to come back. You just keep coming back until you're ready to talk. And I did. And that was five years ago. I now have four years, coming in October, of freedom that I have found through people walking the walk with me and teaching me how to build a relationship with Christ, how to let other people in and to let Christ take away that hurt and that shame and that guilt. That was when my miracle happened and now I help out with the ladies side of the ministry and lead the small groups and and help guide on the leadership team. It has really given me a place to serve and I'm so very, very blessed to have found Celebrate Recovery and now to be able to turn around and help other people walk through and see the blessings that are just manifested in their lives. I can honestly say that in my walk here I have I have seen God's faithfulness in my life in so very many ways. I think the one word that comes to mind for me is restoration because through a lot of prayer and a lot of faith and a lot of trust God has restored my health to the point where I just a year ago returned back to work full time and I'm not only restored physically, but mentally. I, I am restored, and I'm joyful, and I have hope in my life. All of God's promises He brought about in my life. I've seen restoration with my family. Those three sons who were somewhat estranged to me are now right back in my life. If you're wondering if God can do those things in your life too, He can, and He will, and He's waiting to. The first thing you have to do is decide that you're not willing to hide in guilt, shame, and fear, that you are willing to open up, that you're willing to let other people in. And second of all, don't ever, ever give up your hope or your faith. It may seem dark and it may seem hopeless, but there is light. And don't ever forget, if it is probable in heaven, it is possible on earth.
0: Amen. Hey, would you give Libby a clap from your house in front of your screens? Come on, give her a clap. What a great story. Come on, give God praise for what He is doing, that He is touching our lives from heaven to earth. Maybe write in the chat right now, just write in there, God is good, and He is good. He is so good. All right, today in my sermon, I want to talk to you about the enemy of heaven. That's our sermon title today, The Enemy of Heaven. Satan is the enemy of heaven. And as a believer, as a citizen of heaven, that makes Satan your enemy as well. Jesus taught His disciples to pray this way. He said, this is how you should pray. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everything in our lives, from our prayers to our actions, should be focused on bringing that which exists in heavenly realms into the places and spaces that we live, work, play, shop. Everywhere you go, you carry the presence of God. You carry a pocket of heaven everywhere you go. And because of that, that places you in direct opposition to the enemy. When you are going forward in God, you are going against the enemy. The enemy always wants to stop whatever God is doing. And if you are doing the work of God, then He is coming against you. And that means the enemy of heaven is your enemy as well. Satan's ultimate plan has always been to oppose God, to stop God's plan for humanity. And he works against God, and he has been working against God Ever since the beginning, when He placed Adam and Eve in the garden, Satan began to work against them and attack them. And here's where spiritual warfare begins. It began in the garden. Let me read to you out of the book of Genesis, chapter 128, as we begin understanding the battle that is in earth today. In Genesis 128, it says, God blessed them, that's being Adam and Eve, and He said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. And govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. You see, God's plan was simple. From the very beginning, He wanted Adam and Eve to have many children who would love God and then continue to multiply until the whole earth was covered with the reign of God. It was simple. He just wanted all His children to be in a relationship with Him and then to move out into all the world and just establish this, this reign of God, the rule of God, all over earth. But Satan, he came and he deceived Adam and Eve. His attack was through deception. It was a scheme to get them to disobey God. And so he tempted them to disobey God. And when Adam and Eve fell for it, they fell for the temptation, and they sinned against God. When that happened, out of that one act of disobedience, this caused a world of pain, a world of problems that still continue in our today world. It continues on now. They fell, and their sin continues, and that battle began there. This one act. Let me share with you what happened in this one act of disobedience of Adam and Eve. The first thing we know is that sin entered the world. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5.12, it says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the entire world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone has sinned. In other words, when Adam sinned in the garden, that sin became part of humanity from that, for, that time moving forward. Every person has now found themselves separated from God because of sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Every person has sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glorious standards. No one begins life without sin. You don't have to teach a child how to sin. You don't have to teach them that. They just are born with it. They know how to sin. If you're a young parent, you know that very well. That's why the first word many kids learn is no. Because you go around saying no, no, no all of the time. Adam and Eve sinned. It ushered sin into the world. But praise God for Jesus Christ, through His unconditional love and grace, gave us a way to be redeemed and come back into a relationship with the Father. But when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, Satan became the God of this world. That's important to understand. Satan became the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4.4, 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. Now take note of this as you look at that Scripture. Satan is spelled with a small G. He is not the one true living God of heaven. He is not the King of kings. He is not the Lord of lords. He will not succeed against God. He does not even compare to our God. He doesn't deserve the big G. He's a small G God. But nonetheless, He does have some authority here on earth. He's not a big G God, but don't underestimate His power and His purpose to come against you in your life. He has unleashed His demonic forces to try to hinder you from serving God's purpose in life. When Adam and Eve sinned, they lost their authority and they lost their power to reign on earth as God had commissioned them to do. At that point, Satan gained some authority and some power to reign here on earth. And that's why he is called the God of this world. And that's how he became the small g god of this world. Now when Satan became the small g god of this world, through Satan, evil was unleashed on humanity. Evil was unleashed on humanity. The Bible says in John 10.10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has a purpose. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. All of life's miseries go back to this moment when Adam and Eve sinned. All of the pains of our world began there in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and they ushered in evil into the world. Satan had an opportunity to become the God of this world and he unleashed all of his evil on the world. All sickness and all suffering began in the garden because of Satan. All evil, all natural disasters begin with Satan. We attribute every evil act, every sickness, every disease, every natural disaster is attributed to the enemy who violently opposes God and you. And so from the time of Adam and Eve, Satan has been at work against God and against God's people. But listen, church, God had a bigger and better plan. That wasn't the end. God had a plan of redemption for all of us. He had a plan to to recover all of the ground that had been lost in the garden. He had a plan to, to remake the relationships that were broken between God and His people. He had a plan to defeat the enemy that is opposed to us all. And that plan is Jesus. Jesus is our Redeemer. And He came to earth so that He can seek and save that which is lost. That's what it says in Luke chapter 19.10. The Son of Man is Jesus who came to seek and save that which was lost. That which was lost. Everything that was lost in the garden, Jesus won it back. Everything that Adam and Eve lost through that sin, Jesus redeemed back at the cross. Through Jesus, through our Savior, We are saved from our sin. Every person that says yes to Jesus Christ and believes in Him as their Savior, the Bible says you will be saved. You are redeemed and you are brought into relationship with God. That which was lost in the garden, that perfect relationship that Adam and Eve had with God, Jesus won it back for us so that we can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus also reclaimed and He restored His authority back on earth. When Adam and Eve sinned, they gave away some of the authority to the enemy. When Jesus defeated the devil, when Jesus was resurrected from the the grave, He reestablished, He triumphed over death, and He reestablished His authority back on earth. Therefore, He said to His disciples, look what Jesus said to His disciples after His resurrection. He said in Matthew 28, 18, He said, Then Jesus, it says, came, and He says, all authority. If you're at home, just use that word circle all. All authority. That means there is no other authority on earth or in heaven. Satan has no authority. Zero, zip, nada. He has no authority left on earth except for what we give Him. Jesus has given that authority now to us. That's what He says to His disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you, surely I'll be with you to the end of the age. In other words, church, listen, Jesus said to His disciples, He said, I got it all back. He said, I want it back. I got it all back. Everything that was lost, I got it back. Now, therefore, disciples, go take this authority that I got back and use it to expand the kingdom. Take this authority that I won back and use it to reach more disciples and change the world. God wants us to take the authority that Jesus reclaimed back and use it to make a difference with our life. He wants us to use it to help establish heaven back on earth. And therefore, we enter into the battle because we have authority and the enemy wants it back. We have a mission and the enemy wants to stop it. We have purpose in life and the enemy does not want you to fulfill it. The enemy is going to attack you and do everything he can to stop you from from fulfilling what God wants you to do in your life. If you're taking notes, church, write this down. We are involved in a spiritual war. Whether you like it or not, whether you recognize it or not, if you are a believer, then you are in a spiritual battle. The enemy has a strategic plan against you. Now, I know that's not great news. That's probably not what you want to hear today. But you need to know that you are being bombarded by demonic strategies that are designed to destroy you, designed to render you ineffective in God's purposes for your life. In 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, church, check this out. It says to be alert and of sober mind. In other words, be aware of this. In other words, don't ignore this. Don't pretend there isn't a spiritual battle. He's like, be alert, pay attention, check this out, lean into this thought. It says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. What's he doing? He's looking for someone to devour. Well, that's not the best news. But verse 9 gives us some hope. It says, resist him. Resist the devil, stand firm in faith. In other words, hold your ground because you know that the family believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. In other words, you can resist the devil, but he is looking for someone to devour. He is looking for someone to destroy. He is prowling around like a lion. Now, he's not a lion. He sounds like a lion. He's not even as strong as a lion, but he is prowling around looking for somebody to pick off. He wants to find somebody that isn't paying attention, that is not alert and being sober-minded. He wants to pick you off. He wants to take you away from what God wants to do in your life. I want you to know this. The devil hates you. He hates you with more venom than you can even imagine. And he's looking to destroy your life. He wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you because you matter to God. He wants to destroy you because you have a purpose for God. And He is coming against you with everything He has. He wants to destroy your marriage. He doesn't want your marriage to thrive. Satan loves divorce. He loves it. He loves it when you're in pain. He wants to destroy your witness and testimony. He wants to tempt you to fall into sin. He wants to take you out with sin. He wants to disqualify you from God's mission. He wants you to think that you are disqualified because you aren't good enough or because you have fallen in some way. He wants to disqualify you. He wants to lie to your children. He wants them to to be confused about their identity and their purpose in life. The enemy wants you to to fall into drug addiction and alcohol addiction and to pornography addiction. That's what he wants for you. He wants you in debt. He wants you in bondage. He wants to destroy your health. Listen, Satan loves sickness. Satan is happy about COVID-19. He thinks it's awesome. Satan loves cancer. Satan wants racism to flourish. He wants you to be uh, in, in, in a battle with other people. He wants you to hate other people. That's what he wants. He wants you to be offended. He wants you to live rejected. He wants you to feel like a victim all your life. He laughs when you're discouraged. He celebrates when you're depressed. And honestly, probably looking at 2020, the devil's feeling pretty good about himself right now. Why? Because we're in a health crisis. Why? Because there's an economic crisis. Why? Because there's racial and religious crises. And then a hurricane just to boot. He loves it when people live in fear. And let me tell you what he's doing against the body of Christ right now. He's working overtime to keep people focused on natural problems so that we forget we're in a spiritual battle. He wants you focused on everything else rather than advancing the kingdom. He wants you focused on all the problems and you forget there's a real battle going on. That's his goal through 2020. He wants to pick you off from God's purpose. He wants to sideline you and defeat you. But listen, church, we're better than that. We're stronger than that. We're aware of the devil's plans. We're aware of his schemes. We are sober and alert. That's why we can say to the devil, not today. Not today, devil. Everybody kind of write that down somewhere, put it in the chat box, say it with me. Not today, devil. We are here to resist him, and we will not let him stop what God wants to do in our life. We're here to win. We're here to defeat the works of the devil. Back to 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. It says, be alert, sober mind. The the devil's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, though, says resist him. Resist him. Resist means to take a stand against the opposition. Resist isn't, isn't backing up. Resist is pushing forward. It's pushing back against the enemy. It means to protect your rightful territory. Protect all that God has given you. It means to protect your your home. It means to protect your family, protect your business. You don't let the enemy win in your life. You resist the devil. Don't give the devil any ground in your life. Don't let the devil stop you from God's purposes in your life. We're to stand our ground against the enemy. We have to be strong. We have to face the enemy and say, Not today, devil. Several years ago, probably 20 years ago, somewhere in that time frame, we were living in Charleston, South Carolina, and the kids and Harriet were out of town, and I was at home alone, and I was in my upstairs bedroom where our bedroom was, and somewhere around three o'clock in the morning, I heard that thump at night. You've heard that thump at night, and all of a sudden, my heart started racing. I remember it so plainly because it scared me so much, this event did. And and so uh, I can kind of race back to those emotions so quick. But I heard that thump at night, and I heard my back door of our house, the screen door. I heard, it, I heard it open and close. And so I immediately jumped up to my feet and started listening around the corner. I was freaking out, scared, as you can imagine. And I had a... Um, I used to keep a golf club in my closet so I went and got my golf club to defend myself and and defend my territory and I was standing at the top of the stairs with my golf club and honestly I was scared to death and and so I'm listening and then I heard my pantry door open now the reason I heard it because it was squeaking really bad and Harriet wanted me to always get rid of the squeak but I didn't so it let me know that somebody was getting into my pantry and so I heard the pantry door open, and so, so I went down the stairs a little bit, and 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 I began to listen, and I, you know, my heart was racing faster than you can imagine. I'm like, oh, you know, somebody's breaking into my pantry, and I was thinking maybe it's someone that's really hungry and they're just breaking in for food. And so I began to say in the you know strongest voice I had, you know, like I said hey, somebody's in here. Please go away. I mean, I, I mean, I probably said it like that. And I was freaking out. And then I heard in the pantry, something got my bag of chips out. And I could hear the chips opening. And so that, that did it. I was like, I'm standing my ground. You don't get my chips. And so I snuck to the kitchen. I had my club out. And I was so panicked. and But I knew I had to stand my ground. And so I heard something in the kitchen and eating my chips and I turned the corner jumped out and I said hey I'm here and 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 I saw a raccoon eating chips in my kitchen we had a crazy raccoon break into our house and freak me out what happened was is this raccoon he cut a hole in our screened in porch we had a doggy door on the back door he opened the doggy door came in He opened the pantry and got my chips. And when I turned the corner, he stared me eye to eye. He wasn't a bit scared. And he just sat there and ate my chips. And finally, I ran him out the back of the house. Listen, everybody has to stand their ground sooner or later. I stood my ground against a raccoon. Let me tell you, though, church, in a more serious way, the enemy is going to try to encroach on that which God has given you, and you're going to have to do more than grab a golf club. You're going to have to grab the power of God. You're going to have to grab the Word of God. You're going to have to grab prayer life, and you're going to have to step forward, and you're going to have to make sure the devil doesn't get any ground in your life. We are to stand our ground. We are to resist the devil. Listen, church. I was scared, but I did it anyway. I stepped forward anyway. We cannot cower to the devil. You need to know that the devil doesn't cower to a coward and we have to be strong in the Lord. So let me give you a couple quick things as I prepare to close this message today about how we stand our ground. Out of James 4-7, Bible says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Two quick things that we need to know. That we need to submit our life to God. We need to submit everything. We need to wholly, fully submit our entire life to God. We need to fully give ourselves to God. We need to read our Bible. We need to pray. We need to stay connected in church. We need to, we need to be close to other believers. We need people praying with us, for us, and we need to be praying for others. We need to be worshiping the Lord. You know, worship, Worship is actually warfare because it draws you close to the presence of God. And the closer you are to God, the further the influence of the enemy in your life. One of the greatest things you can do when you feel like there is is a battle going in your, your life, the best thing you can do is begin to worship God because nothing draws us closer to God than worship. Do the one thing that Satan hates If you want to get back at the devil, do the one thing he hates. What he hates is for you to get close to God. One of the best ways you can defeat the enemy is draw close to God, submit your life to God. So submit to Him. The devil loses his grip on you when you cling to God. The second thing we do is we resist the devil. We resist him. The Bible said resist. In other words, we put up a fight. We protect all that God has given us. The devil must flee, though, when we resist him. He must flee. He doesn't have a choice. He must flee when we resist him. I want to take us back to the, to the verse in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And he said, pray this way. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And then he said, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation. But now listen, I want to draw your attention to this. He said, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. Then it says, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. He says, deliver us from the evil one. Now this is a prayer that Jesus taught His disciples to pray. This is a way to pray. This is a a key in your prayer life. And part of your prayer life needs to be against the enemy, praying that we are delivered, that we are resisting, that we are standing against the evil one that comes against us. I would encourage you to daily rebuke the enemy. Every day, put him in his place. Every day, just as this prayer teaches us, deliver us from the evil one. Just rebuke the enemy in your life and don't give him any ground. In your prayer life, tell the devil to flee. Command him to go. Use the authority that Jesus gave us. We pray in the name of Jesus, meaning under the authority that Jesus has, we get to pray and rebuke the enemy. A couple things to think about when it comes to rebuking the enemy. Anytime you feel like you're under a demonic attack, anytime you feel like that things are beyond just just a normal operation of life, when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel depression that is taking over, when you feel like the enemy is coming on against you, That's a time to come back at him with spiritual warfare. That's a time that you stand and you say, in the name of Jesus, I declare, Satan, you must leave. You must go in the name of Jesus. There have been times when I have awakened from sleep with a nightmare or some dream that has led me to fear. And the first thing I began to do is I began to rebuke the enemy. I began to say, in the name of Jesus, enemy, you have no control over my thought life. You have no authority in my home. Often I pray, I walk our house, and I pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy has no entrance, no way to penetrate our house. We pray that in the name of Jesus. I pray often over my family. I pray over our church. If you own a business, pray over your business. Whatever you possess, whatever it is God has given you, you can command the devil to loose your family. You can command the devil to loose your children if you have children that are, that are in your household under your influence, if you have children that have walked away from God at any place, you begin to command the devil to get his hands off of them so that they can be free to come back to God. Declare the enemy uh, to go from your marriage. If you're having marriage problems, tell the devil to get out of your marriage. Declare freedom over your business, over your school. Pray it in the name of Jesus and believe that God will set you free. Pray over your city. Pray over Wilmington. Pray over wherever you live. Pray over our nation. We should, we should regularly and consistently pray against the work of the enemy in our city. Say something like this. Say in the name of Jesus. This is God's territory. This is God's city. And we command the devil to loose this city so that the people of the city can come to know God and walk in freedom in Him. Just declare it. Whatever's going on that is not of God, command it in the name of Jesus to go. Use the authority that Jesus gave you. Listen, church, you don't have to spend a lot of time in prayer. I mean, in warfare. Like, you don't have to spend all your time in that, but it's healthy on a regular basis to enter into a little war- warfare in your life. Don't underestimate its importance in your life. Stand your ground. Satan is the enemy of heaven, which makes him your enemy. And Jesus has given all authority to you to live and to work and to come against the work of the enemy coming into your life. Jesus has commissioned us to help usher in heaven on earth. And so, because of that commission, you are in a spiritual battle. And I want to encourage you today, church, to use the authority that Jesus gave us to declare your freedom, to declare victory over your life and over everything that God has given you. I pray that over you and I ask you to walk that out in your life as well. Church, I want to close with this. If you feel like your life is under attack, then it's probably because you're going in the right direction. Because when you're going forward in God, you're going against the enemy anytime you move and advance the kingdom forward anytime you live for god you're always going in the opposite direction of the enemy so rather than letting spiritual uh, battles against you depress you look at it as a way of saying hey i must be going in the right direction and then know that god has given you authority and power to overcome the enemy church i want you to know you can overcome anything the devil brings you tell him not today devil and live in victory that God has given you. Church, I want to pray for you as I close. Would you just bow your heads with me? I pray this in the name of Jesus. First, I rebuke the enemy that's attacking your life. I declare that he has no authority over you, your family, your business, your health, and anything that God has given you. You are an overcomer. The devil is defeated. And God, we thank you for the authority that you gave us to overcome the devil. Lord, help us all to stand strong and to not give him any room in our life. God, we submit our life to you completely. And by your spirit and by your power, help us to resist the enemy and help establish your kingdom, your will on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I love you. I hope you're encouraged today. Go with strength. Go with mine. I can't wait to see you soon. God bless.